0: Thank you for that, Peter. So our Bible reading today is from Psalm 22, which can be found on page 857 of the uh, Bibles on your seats. So it's Psalm 22, page 857, and starting at verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were put not to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They heard insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth, I was cast on you. From my mother's womb, you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help. Many bulls surround me, strong bulls of bashan encircle me, roaring lions that tear their prey open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water, and all of my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax, it is melted within me. My mouth is dried up like pot shred, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death, dogs surround me, a pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet, and my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of the lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honour him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. From you comes a theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you, I will fulfil my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will, will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations will bow down before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. And the rich of the earth will feast and worship, and who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive, prosperity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to the people yet unborn, he has done it.
1: Thanks, Samuel, for reading. Uh, Before we get underway this morning, I want you to do uh, something for me. Just check if you have a leaflet, please, if you've got this uh, printout inside it. It's just the reading for today, the words of Psalm 22. Uh, I'd like you to have one of these. They're just the same words that Samuel uh, uh, read to us before, but this gives you a chance to make some marks onto the page. If you don't have a leaflet, just want to raise your hand up. Esther's got a few spares, and um, she'll be able to pass you a, a printout. So, if you've got a a printout like this that will be really helpful today and there's pens around on the seats nearby um, feel free to grab a pen as well uh, if you don't have a leaflet um esther's got some and grab one it'll be helpful for you as we work our way through this passage this morning uh, if we haven't met before my name's carl i'm the senior pastor here i'm very thankful for william taylor's help on this passage he's a pastor from the uk he's helped me to uh, think through and understand uh, how this passage works Well, I wonder where you were on the 9th of September this year. Um, My family and I were staying up at Borough. We were having a weekend away. On the morning of the 9th of September, I woke up, as I do most mornings, kind of reached over to my phone on the bedside table to check what time it was, and then not long after that, sort of opened the news app to see what was happening in the world. And I kind of let out an audible gasp. I think it might have even woke Meredith up. Because overnight, the Queen had died, and the news articles were full of information about this she was an elderly woman and i think most of us probably weren't much taken aback by this but we were probably saddened at that news and the following days the news cycle was just filled with stuff to do with the royal family king charles now the king was in the spotlight surprisingly i think uh, uh, for most of the commentators he seems to be very warmly welcomed wherever he went in the uk as well People lined the streets to catch a glimpse of this new king. But he was also, wasn't he, a man under enormous pressure at that point in his life? All the news cycles were focusing on him. He had one meeting after another, one engagement after another, it seemed, probably a a serious uh, formal procedure that he had to work on. And at the same time, he's grieving the death of his mother. In the days that followed, one news article about King Charles kind of really grabbed my attention. I think it was supposed to be a tongue-in-cheek or a slightly funny news article, and it was about the king getting frustrated with his pen. Did you see that news article about King Charles getting frustrated with his pen? I think we've all been there at different points in our life, and you grab one biro after another, and it just doesn't do the very thing that it's supposed to do. It won't write. And it is infuriating, and King Charles lost his cool. Now, many of the news articles picked up, or news outlets picked up on this story of the new king getting frustrated, partly because it's a little bit funny, but I also think it's partly because it shows his humanity. shows that he's really just like you or I. When his pen doesn't work, he loses his cool. Now, he was under enormous pressure at that point in his life, wasn't he? He had places to be, things to do, a funeral to arrange, and a mother to grieve for. And I think everyone expected that at some point, under pressure like that, you just snap. And there it was, his moment with his fountain pen that wouldn't work properly. But in that moment, we also saw the realness of this man. And we saw the sameness. He's like us. Now, there should be no surprises there, really, should there? He is, after all, just a human king. Uh, sure, he's had a fair bit of training and preparation for his role, and he comes from a unique family. But when all is said and done, he's human, just like you or I. I think it's too early in time, really, to know what sort of a king King Charles will go on to be. For the sake of the UK and the wider Commonwealth, I hope he's a just and wise and gracious king. I, I hope he lives well and points people to Jesus. None of us really here, I think, though, came today to talk about King Charles. But I want you to be thinking about a different king this morning. And here's the question that I really want you to go away thinking about. Who is God's king and what is God's king like? Who is God's king and what is God's king like? This week we're looking at Psalm 22 together. It's a psalm that was written by by another king king david he was israel's great king Uh, in fact his kingship was so great in israel that he he becomes kind of known as the archetypal king in other words when you think of israel and you think of kingship you're supposed to think of of king david he's israel's great king and so the psalms that king david wrote and he wrote a lot help us to see what israel's king is like and by extension they help us to see what god's king is like and this psalm will see the pressure that god's king faces if you walk away with nothing else from today i hope it's this i hope you walk away knowing that god's king stays faithful to god even when he feels under immense pressure even when he's abandoned even when he's despised by the people even when he's viciously mocked and attacked he stays faithful indeed right up to the point of death god's king stays faithful unlike earthly normal kings he doesn't snap or turn his back on god or crumble or fall in a heap he stays faithful and what we see in this psalm is that god's king having suffered greatly And then, having been vindicated, well, God's king then goes on to lead his people in the praise of God. Now, we see this today in our world, we see this most clearly in the person of Jesus. He is God's faithful king. He suffered, and yet, having been raised from the dead as vindicated God, he leads God's people in the praise. And that makes King Jesus a king who's worth following. I wonder if you need that encouragement today. Is Jesus worth following? Psalm 22 is going to show us that he is. This psalm has encouragement in spades for us, I think. Encouragement to keep following after King Jesus. But before we zoom in and look at King Jesus, we will do that a bit this morning, I want us to step back and look at King David and, and look at what he wrote firstly. Read these words as King David's words. Now, I said that you've, you've got a printout of this passage uh, in your leaflet today. I'd encourage you to get that out in front of you. And what I want you to do right from the very start here is draw a line between verse 2 and 3 to kind of separate verses 1 and 2 from verses 3 and 4. So just draw a line on your page to try and separate out that first section, the first two verses of the psalm. I'm going to read those two verses now to you, verses 1 and 2 of Psalm 22. I want you to see that this is the first bit of pressure that King David feels. He feels abandoned by god let me read to you verses 1 and 2 of psalm 22 my god my god why have you forsaken me why are you so far from saving me so far from my cries of anguish my god i cry out by day but you do not answer by night but i find no rest first two verses of the psalm and we see king david feeling miserable he feels abandoned he feels forsaken by god and it's like his cries to God seem to be going unanswered. He's in anguish. His God seems far away. I wonder if you've ever felt a similar way. Ever felt like God's not answering your prayers or your cries for help. This is King David speaking here. This is God's king and he seems to be in a pretty terrible place. He feels abandoned by God. The Psalm doesn't tell us why. If you know his story, you may uh, be able to think up some reasons as to why David might be feeling this way. But what the psalm does do is show us what God's king does when he feels abandoned. What does God's king do when he feels abandoned? We'll take your pen and on your page, kind of draw a box around verses 3 to 5, if you will, on that, on that page for me. And circle the word yet at the start of verse 3 for me as well, if you've got your pen out there. So I want to suggest to you that in verses 3 to 5, we see, well, how God's king responds when he's feeling forsaken by God. You've got the pressure point, feeling forsaken, verses 1 and 2, and in verses 3 and 5, we have the response. What do we see in those verses? Well, we see God's king remembering how God has worked in the past. We see God's king remembering that in the past, God has answered Israel's cries for help. In the past, God has rescued his people. So far, we've seen David's first pressure point as a king. He feels abandoned. And in verses 3 to 5, we see how he responds. Does he snap? Does he turn his back on God? No, David remembers that in the past, God saved his people and cared for them. It's how God's king responds. But in this psalm, David feels more than just abandoned by God. In verses 6 to 8, his kind of next pressure point is on view for us, his second pressure point. This time, the focus is on the way in which he feels despised by people. So, if you've got your page there, I'd love you to mark off verses 6 to 8 as our, our next kind of section. This is the second pressure point for the king. Here, David tells us that he's been insulted and despised and mocked by people and if we're summarizing verses six to eight i'd say that the overall message is that he's been despised by people everyone mocks him they hurl insults at him they taunt him confronted with that pressure that opposition how will god's king respond Does he crumble and fall in a heap? Does he he falter under the pressure? Does he try and resign from his job? Does he get angry with God or does he walk away? No. When facing the immense suffering that he's got here, he stays faithful. In verses 9 to 11, we see the way in which David, God's king, responds to these attacks. And again, the section starts with that word yet. You see that there? Maybe draw a circle around that word yet again, kind of marks off this response section. David is despised by people, yet in verses 9 to 11, he remembers that God is the one who sustains him. He's the one who brought him into this world. He remembers it's God who made him, God who gives him life. And King David declares his trust in God. You see, I've seen so far, we've seen two pressure points. God's king feels abandoned, and yet he remains faithful. Then we've seen God's king despised by the people, and yet he remains faithful. The next section, verses 12 to 18, you might like to block out on your page for me. Verses 12 to 18. Here we see the third pressure point for the king. He's exhausted in this section destroyed and ultimately he's handed over to death let me read these words to you from verses 12 to 18 this is what it says many bulls surround me strong bulls of Bashan encircle me roaring lions that tear their prey open their mouths wide against me i'm poured out like water and my bones are out of joint my heart has turned to wax it's melted within me my mouth is dried up like a potsherd and my my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth you lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me, a pack of villains encircle me, they pierce my hands and my feet, all my bones are on display, people stare and gloat over me, they divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. They're pretty heavy words here, aren't they? Pretty emotional words. These are the words of a, a king who feels defeated. And exhausted he says he's laid down in the dust of death bulls and and lions encircle him i wonder if you caught the news this week about the lions that escaped from taronga zoo in sydney did you catch that news article i really love the one um, where this man magnus perry was speaking about his family magnus and his family had purchased on that night special tickets to the zoo for a program called the Roar and Snore Tickets, Roar and Snore program. It's something the zoo markets as an opportunity to get up close and personal with some of its friendliest residents. And Magnus and his family were camping in a tent by the lion enclosure overnight when the lions escaped. They heard the alarms going off and they were ushered into the toilets for safety. Can you imagine what it would feel like to be confronted by real life lions? David probably knew what this was like from his days as a shepherd or to be surrounded by savage bulls or dogs. Now, I think probably David is speaking metaphorically here, but it feels like, doesn't he, that he's wrung out, that he's exhausted, that he's defeated. He is God's king who has been tested and tried and, and persecuted in every possible way. He's a king who's been pushed to the wall. Three pressure points, abandoned by God, despised by people, and absolutely exhausted, laid down in the dust of death. He's facing immense suffering. And yet he stays faithful. And the next section, the kind of response to that is in starts at verse 19. Now, it doesn't start with the word yet this time, instead it starts with the word but, but a very similar Word to yet. So you might just circle that but at the start of verse 19. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. See, here again we see a three times faithful king, suffering and yet not snapping, suffering and yet remaining faithful. Even when pressed to the absolute limit, he doesn't turn his back on God. You see the resilience and the strength and the, the faithfulness of God's king. Can you see what God's king king david the archetypal king can you see what god's king is like when faced with pressure okay next i'd love you to get your page and draw a line under verse 21 verses 22 to 31 they're on the other side of your sheet and um, i think that section of the psalm is a, a section of praise from a king who has now been declared victorious. And we'll come back to this section a little in a few minutes' time. Uh, but this is now the praise of the king who's been vindicated for his suffering. Can you see how Psalm 22 works then? It's providing a snapshot of what God's king is like when the pressure's on, especially when faced with opposition or persecution or feelings of abandonment. According to Psalm 22, when God's king's under pressure... They don't crack or succumb to temptation or or worm their way out of hardships or persecution or resign from their job no god's king stands firm and remains faithful now if that's what god's archetypal king is like if that's what the character of god's king then the question that all of us should be asking today as those who who live in the new testament those who know what Jesus is like, we should be saying, is that what Jesus is like? See, the New Testament wants us to see Jesus as God's King, and so we should be asking, is this how Jesus behaves when under pressure? Is this what Jesus is like? Does he behave like God's faithful King? And I want to show you the answer to that question is a very loud yes. We've been looking at Mark's gospel as a church, so I'd encourage you to open Mark's gospel to Mark chapter 15. If you've got a black Bible around you somewhere, grab that and turn to Mark chapter 15. Um, We're going to read from verse 21. The words are going to be on the screen as well, so Mark chapter 15, verse 21 will be on the screen. Uh, I'm going to read to you essentially the story of Jesus' crucifixion, his death on the cross. And start at verse 21. I want you to look in this as we read. Look for the allusions back to Psalm 22. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way in from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull, and they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it, and they crucified him. Dividing up his clothes, they cast lots to see what each would get. It was nine in the morning when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. They crucified two rebels with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So? You who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also healed insults on him. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, Lema Sabactani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, Listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran, filled a sponge with wine and vinegar, put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes down, comes to take him down. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, Surely this man was the Son of God. Now there's a lot going on in this passage, isn't there? But what I really want you to see today are the similarities between this section of Mark's gospel and Psalm 22. And as you see that, remember what Psalm 22 showed us. It showed us what God's king is like. Can you see here in Mark 15 then that Jesus is God's king? He's faithful despite intense suffering. Look closely at Mark 15. In verse 24, we see that lots were cast for Jesus' clothes. This matches what we read in verse 18 of Psalm 22. In verse 29 of Mark, we read about those who passed by the cross hurling insults at Jesus. In verse 31, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mock Jesus. Even those who are crucified with Jesus heap insults on him. Everyone's insulting and mocking him. Hanging on the cross there with with no clothes, his bones out of joint, he's on display. No doubt his heart is turning to wax within his chest. He's he's thirsty and yet he doesn't drink. and, And it's here on the cross that Jesus dies, laid down in the dust of death. And we see all of these things, don't we, in Psalm 22. And then the kicker of it is in verse 34 of Mark 15. Jesus cries out in a loud voice, "My God, my God, why have you forsaken me?" A reference, a direct reference to verse one of Psalm 22. The similarities are profound, aren't they, between Psalm 22 and the crucifixion of Jesus. Not just one reference, but many. Some direct references, word for word. Others kind of allusions pointing to what happens in Psalm 22. And if we looked at the other gospel accounts of the cross, we'd see this also. Look in John's gospel or Matthew's gospel, you'll see these references to Psalm 22 being mentioned there as well. So what does that all mean? Well, if Psalm 22 shows us what God's king is like under pressure, surely in Mark's gospel we see Jesus bearing up under this pressure, bearing up under his execution, his crucifixion. And surely this helps us to see that Jesus is the man who stays faithful to God even though he's killed on a cross. This is God's good and righteous king. And if you want more evidence of that, look to see what what, what Mark is doing in his gospel. Look at verse 26. The charge against Jesus there on the cross, the King of the Jews. And I think Jesus would have drawn great comfort from Psalm 22 because Psalm 22 is a psalm that shows us that God's royal ruler would be tested and would be tried. God's king would be abandoned and would be mocked and would be insulted and have his clothes divided up by lots and and ultimately would be killed it wasn't an accident and this psalm also helps us to see that god's king will be vindicated and go on to praise jesus now, if you're not especially familiar with this story, Jesus' death on a cross, it might seem a bit like a tragedy. God's king killed on a cross. But I think rightly understood, it's actually, it's actually a triumph, really, isn't it? Because this is how God deals with the sin of the world. This is how God makes for himself a faithful people. It was always his plan. Psalm 22 was probably written a thousand years before Jesus died on the cross. This psalm and the events of the cross, they help us to see God's good plan. Having gone to the cross, God's royal king is vindicated through resurrection and is then able to lead his people in the praise of God. And it's that praise of God that I think is captured in the second part of that psalm. That starts from verse 22, where it says this in Psalm 22, verse 22, I will declare your name to my people in the assembly, I will praise you. See, ultimately, God's royal ruler, God's king, is not abandoned by God, he's not left to decay, he's raised from the dead, raised to the right hand of God the Father, where he is well equipped then to lead God's people in praise. Now, we've seen references to the first part of this psalm in the Gospels. Interestingly, the second part of this psalm is also applied to Jesus uh, in the New Testament. Come with me to Hebrews chapter 2. If you've got a black Bible, you might like to turn to Hebrews chapter 2, or I think it will be on the screen as well. In Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 10, we read these words. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. He says, Psalm 22, verse 22, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters. In the assembly, I will sing your praises. Having been made perfect, says in Hebrews, or perhaps to put it a different way, having completed his work of dying on the cross, Jesus is then able to lead us in the praise of God. All right, before we finish today, uh, two points of application from this psalm. The first is, I think to do with leadership uh, and who we follow. All of us follow people, don't we? All of us have people who we look to for inspiration in life. Perhaps um, for you, you're looking to a political leader for that. Uh, Maybe it's a movie star, or uh, perhaps you look for inspiration from the YouTubers, maybe uh, PewDiePie or Mr. Beast. I think they're the two most popular YouTubers at the moment. How do you think the politician or the movie star or the YouTuber would face up when they're under extreme pressure? So often our, our leaders in this world, they crumble or they falter, or they crack under pressure. Too often our earthly leaders succumb to, to temptation that destroys their work. And so I want you to see this morning, if you're following after God's King, if you're modelling your life on His, if you've chosen to be a disciple of Jesus, if you're choosing to follow King Jesus, I want to suggest to you, you've chosen well in that. Because here we see God's King stays faithful under pressure, even pressure to the point of death. We encourage you to keep drawing encouragement from following after King Jesus, the one who doesn't crack under pressure. The final point of application kind of relates to how we would read this psalm. I've been trying to show you this morning that these words of the psalm are the words of God's righteous king. Firstly, they are the words of of King David, and then they are the words of King Jesus. You know, as we read the psalms, I think so often we try to read ourselves into the words because it might feel like sometimes you and I are forsaken by God and it might feel like we're being mocked by those around us. But I'm to caution you here because these words are the words of God's king at the moment. I'm to caution you not to necessarily read yourself into these words but to see them as the words of the king. Now that doesn't mean they're no, of, of no help to us. I think there's a great help in the example of following after the king and sharing in the fate of the king here. Let me give you an example. If you're feeling the weight of things at the moment, if you're feeling abandoned by God, let me encourage you to do what the righteous king does, which is to look back to how God has been faithful in the past. If you're feeling abandoned by God, let me encourage you to think back and see how God's been at work in your life. You might like to even write that down. And if you can't see those things, look back to the story of the Bible and see how God has been faithful throughout history in working with his people. Reflect on God's salvation history to remind you of his saving work and the fact that he doesn't abandon his people. That's a helpful thing to do, but at the same time, I want you to remember this is the words of a king in this psalm. Psalm 22 helps us to see what God's king is like, helps us to see that he's faithful despite feeling abandoned, despite feeling despised by people, despite being beaten and destroyed and even killed and that means that this king king jesus is a king worth following king we can follow with great confidence and he's a king who can lead us well in the praise of god see in this psalm in psalm 22 the king having been vindicated then leads the people in the praise of god and we see that in the second section of the psalm from verses 22 to 31 how we're going to finish today is we're going to read these words together as a prayer the words are going to be up on the screen and encourage you to read these words of the vindicated king praising god as words that we can pray to our god together will you read with me this morning let's be on the screen i will declare your name to my people in the assembly i will praise you you who fear the lord praise him all you descendants of jacob honor him revere him all you descendants of israel for he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one he has not hidden his face from him but has listened to his cry for help from you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly before those who fear you i will fulfill my vows the poor will eat and be satisfied those who seek the lord will praise him May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord and all the families of the nations will bow down before him for dominion belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive, posterity will serve him Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. Amen.